You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, another little special edition of the podcast today because we had so much to talk about on Thursday that uh, we essentially forgot to talk about the upcoming Arsenal game that Everton have on Monday evening. I'm your host Adam Jones, today joined by a dream team of Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland. Look at this. <laughs> I'm trying to more than say they're not a dream team. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rafa Benitez, as we're recording on Friday, has just had his pre-Arsenal press conference. So we'll go over Everton's team news, what Rafa Benitez has said uh, about Wednesday night's game uh, as well, uh, ahead of Monday night's uh, fixture against Arsenal. And we'll get the lads' predictions uh, for what will be Everton's next match a bit later on in the podcast. But Preno, we'll come to you first. We've just listened to Rafa Benitez, as I said. Uh, we'll start with uh, the team news. He mentioned that Yeni Mina's back in training, and he, uh, but he didn't really elaborate much into that. Andre Gomez is back in training, but it's still disappointing to see uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is still a couple of weeks away, he said, didn't he, from, from full fitness. Yeah, I mean, he was trying desperately to accentuate the positives. I mean, he even threw in there that, you know, so Yeri Mina returned to training. We'll see how he is in the next couple of days and whether he can be involved. And uh, I would have thought that after having been so long out, there's absolutely no way he can be involved. I mean, that would be absolute desperation to throw him straight back in again. Uh, good to hear that Andre Gomez is back in training as well. He's been an under-the-radar miss over the last um, last few weeks because he has performed well on the occasions that we've seen him this season, in little flashes and little cameos. Uh, you know, so a return maybe to the Andre Gomez that, you know, we were seeing pre that appalling injury. Uh, so, yeah, there were, there were good moments of uh, team news. Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's continuing absence and the fact it's going to be a couple more weeks still is the, uh, is the big negative. But I think overall, Rafa spoke very well and you can tell he's desperately trying to calm things down a little and just try and say, look, you know, so th this isn't a crisis. This is a very disappointing run, you know, largely exacerbated by the problems that we've got in the injury injury front. But let's just settle down, eradicate the mistakes and, you know, so and the results will come. And it was quite heartening to hear that. I mean, whether that message, or I hope the message is going to be embraced by the players, uh, whether it'll be embraced by the support base at large, I doubt. Uh, but, you know, it was a valiant attempt, I thought, to try and paint a positive, as positive as possible a picture as you can on a team that's just been battered 4-1 by your rivals and there's a run of no wins in the last eight games. I mean, Gav Preno's mentioned there, you know, Rafa was speaking about, you know, the scenes after after Wednesday night and I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, I, I suppose it's no surprise, but it's quite interesting that Rafa Benitez was keen to not apportion blame onto any sort of individual. We all heard yeah. the sack the board chance that were coming here throughout the game and then at the end of the match as well on Wednesday evening. But Rafa Benitez was very keen to say, look, I'm just focusing on the pitch. I'm not 
Uh, I'm not apportioning blame to anyone. We all need to stick together in in this period. And, and as I say, I suppose it's not a surprise to hear them say that, but it's interesting nonetheless, isn't it? Yeah, it's been around the block enough times, isn't it? It's not to uh, say anything controversial there. I think it was, we lose together, did he say something like that? Um, mm. There's a couple of things caught me. Eye. Going back to the previous conversation with, with Dave, it's Calvin Loom's gone from being a couple of weeks and a minimum of a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Which is not what mm-hmm. he said a couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, because we thought yeah. that Calvin Loom was going to be in in contention for the pre-Christmas games, if you recall, based on what Rafa had said two weeks mm-hmm. ago. It's now looking like that. Well, well, from what from what he'd said himself as well, didn't he? You know, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure he, he gave some quotes saying he might be available for the derby. Yeah, yeah. It's now looking like it's not going to be Christmas even, is it really, uh, from that? Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. The second thing, yeah, it was strange statements he said. Uh, I thought, yeah, I, I've not seen physically his press conference, but I've read your, your review of it, Adam. He said, the, 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 the club have changed their manage, manager several times, but not changed their situation, which I thought was a... I don't know what that means. <laughs> mm. I don't know what he's yeah. trying to say there, you know. Um, to be fair, uh, I thought that was a bit of a bit of a um, strange one. But yeah, he's been mad. But you expect him to to tamper that type of stuff with the plum and whatever else he he did. Uh, thought it was quite a, an interesting, you know, as you would expect, an interesting number of uh, things that were said. But yeah, I think he he's right about the you know got to see the bigger picture and it why the responsibility of everybody uh, is what you expect and I don't think you, you decide to start picking which has been known to you know pick uh, pick fights with people who doesn't mm. need <laughs> mm. well I mean just sticking with you Gav as well I mean we talked about potential returning players in Yeni Mina and Andre Gomez with Preno just there would you be tempted to throw any either of them into the starting lineup, or do you agree with Preno that you know it's 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 far too soon to be throwing them straight in after I so think, long on the sidelines each. I think the amount of fixes that are coming up, Ad, I don't think the one thing you uh, can't avoid is throwing somebody in on Monday and then like the, the other relapse. We mean as injuries record horrendous, isn't it, really? Gomez, is, apart from the obvious one, has also been not great on occasion. So the last thing you want to do is <laughs> throw people in, <laughs> even in the next week or whatever. And then they miss six or seven games of the, the Christmas programme, New Year uh, programme. Uh, so I think it'd be wise to keep them on the train and pitch away from danger at this stage. And you know what? I think that I think also as well, I'm not sure how much he'd improve the team if they were only half uh, it anyway. Um, we so we yeah, saw it tomorrow at Brentford, didn't we? You know, the first 20 yeah. minutes and half an hour at Brentford, he was way off the pace. So yeah, it, it, it's going to take... You know, so those two players have a bit of time to come back. So yeah, pointless throwing them straight back in and rushing. Yeah, I just think the risk you don't want to run the risk of losing them for the for six or seven eight games over Christmas. To be honest with you. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live 
only on Netflix. And I mean, coming to you, Pereno, I suppose while we're on the subject of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, we should address the reports that have come out in some of the national newspapers this morning. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, quite fittingly, uh, considering who we're playing on Monday, has been uh, has been linked with a, a big money move to Arsenal, hasn't he? I mean, you know, I've, I've seen a few people make reference to Rafa Benitez's transfer comments from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he mentioned transfers again in this press conference, didn't yeah. he, saying if we don't need to sell players, then we won't sell players. And I think that's probably the important thing that Everton fans should really be focusing on here, isn't it? You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously is a very yeah. saleable asset in that sort of sense. He would make Everton a lot of money. Uh, but he's, he's just so important to this side, isn't he, as evidenced by the team's form when he's been out of the side over the last few weeks. Exactly right. Um, yeah, I thought Rafa addressed that indirectly in today's press conference because he wasn't asked about Dominic Calvert-Lewin specifically, uh, but he did reference that we won't sell players uh, because we don't need to, you know, so we want to try and keep hold of our best players, you know, so paraphrasing very roughly there. Uh, but, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is so important, you know, so as we've just addressed, but equally, he's still young, he's still developing, he's still progressing and, you know, he's got the potential uh, to be, you know, an absolute superstar for many years to come. Um, he doesn't want to leave. He's happy, you know, so he likes the football club, you know, so he likes his teammates, you know, so he gets on great with the fan base. So there's absolutely no reason why, you know, so we should even be contemplating accepting offers uh, from, you know, so clubs elsewhere. I mean, if we were thinking about, um, you know, so maybe, you know, so possibility of, you know, so players moving on in the near future, I think Richarlison is probably the one that you would be most, you know, concerned about, you know, losing. I wouldn't want to lose him because he's a very, very good footballer. But, you know, you get the impression that he's quite open to having, you know, so eyelids battered in his direction. Um, you know, he's, he's been a bit up and down, hasn't he, this season, discipline-wise, you know, especially. So I think if there is going to be any kind of, you know, sort offers that are maybe contemplated, I think possibly, and you know, that, that's all I'm saying, possibly that Richarlison, you know, sort might be the likelier uh, of the players that we've got to be the subject of that rather than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, Arsenal can, you know, sort offer as much as they like. And, you know, if the player himself doesn't want to come, uh, they'd leave. The club itself clearly don't want to sell. Well, that's the end of it, you know, so and I hope that continues for the foreseeable future. It's weird sometimes. I mean, you look at transfer windows and you see how influential sometimes, you know, particular deals can be. And I'm thinking specifically about the shower across the park and, uh, you know, the big stroke of luck that they got uh, in the ridiculous summer money that, you know, so Barcelona decided to offer them for Philip Coutinho, um, you know, in a January transfer window. Absolutely absurd, you know, so as well as he had been playing. And that allowed them then, you know, so to invest the money really well in the best central defender in Europe, in Virgil van Dijk, and uh, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe, in Alisson. You know, so two absolutely top-class players for, you know, a player that they could afford to replace anyway because they had other players similar to Coutinho in the squad. Um, so, you know, for us to be in that position, you know, it would need somebody, you know, to make a ridiculous offer for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And let's face it, Arsenal aren't going to offer us, for argument's sake, 150 million quid for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a non-starter. I don't think it'll happen. Mm. He says crossing his fingers and his toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gav, Preno's called it a non-starter there, and I was agreed that, you know, in January, we're not going to see any sort of Arsenal move for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But in terms of you, how how concerned would you be for it about a potential move in the summer? Um, it goes back to the Pitford 
conversation from a couple of weeks ago, isn't it? Um, what Benitez has thought on it. I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends really how much he's got to spend elsewhere, really, hasn't it? I mean, we know that January is really going to be a non-starter for a number of reasons. In the summer, maybe a little bit more. Was it wriggle room is the uh, the phrase that was used? But it, it may be that for, for, for Benitez, might be that the only way he can make significant changes to the team is if he sells one of his a pick with a Richarlison and a Calvert-Lewin, particularly the, the latter two. Um, and if somebody did come up with silly money and Calvert-Lewin wanted to go, then Benitez may say, well, actually, to get the team I want, then uh, I, I'm going to have to sell. I mean, there's a worrying thing here is slightly concerned in our midfield at the moment. I know the core has been injured, but how old's Alan? 31? Is he? The mm. core, I, Yeah. 28? Something like that? Yeah. 29? Not the youngest midfield in the Premier League, is it? You know? And so we think there's two or three positions Benitez says probably need to improve. And if that means selling one player for decent money and getting three players in, then that might be something that he may find attractive, to be honest with you. Um, and so I don't think it's as cut as dried as perhaps he's saying, um, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I, well, again, it's depending on what's going on elsewhere, you know, in terms of, mm. like, say, FFP and stuff or this. Well, I wouldn't say it's cut and dried that he wouldn't be wouldn't want to sell at some point if Calvert wanted to go. If it means he can be built elsewhere, that's we're creaking, aren't we? Creaking into mm. several parts of the pitch. Mm. Well, I mean, we've mentioned the midfield there, Preno. Looking specifically at this Arsenal game, you know, on Wednesday, we were all bemoaning the fact that Everton didn't set up with three central midfielders. We all thought that it would have made a lot more sense to play in that manner. Uh, do you think the same is the case uh, for the game against Arsenal? Would you like to see three central midfielders in there, or do you think that it's a it's a different match and it requires a different sort of system? Yeah, it's a different match. I mean, no team is as ridiculously intense or you know relentless as Liverpool. Liverpool's three, maybe, but you know, so the slight exception of Manchester City, you know, are close to them in that respect. They are like just absolutely phenomenal in that area of the pitch, which is why it was, you know, we discussed it the other day, you know, a strange decision to go with to, especially having rested Fabian Delph uh, at Brentford, which we all thought, you know, for that particular purpose to come in and be fresh for the derby and then not to use him. So having seen how well Arsenal kept the ball last night on occasions at Old Trafford and, you know, saw, you know, passed the ball very, very well. Personally, yeah, I, I think we probably would, you know, saw C3 and uh, I thought Alan and Decore. Uh, you know, weren't as bad as your marks reflected on her. <laughs> um, I, I thought, you know, it was a bad performance all right, but I thought, you know, I thought they were better than three out of ten, put it that way. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think, you know, so with Fabian Delph, you know, in there as well, that can only help. Um, I mean, Decore is certainly, you know, so he's, he's suffered for having, like, you know, a few weeks out, but I thought there were signs, you know, so he was getting back there again, he was driving forward on occasions, uh, Alan, Alan had one of those nights, didn't he? But yeah, it's going to help if he has like somebody, you know, sort of alongside in Delft, somebody who's been performing particularly well over the last few weeks. So yeah, you know, if we're going to need, you know, sort of to disrupt Arsenal's possession, if we're going to get the ball and we're going to keep it and uh, ensure that the running that we do is actually in possession of the ball, not chasing the ball, 
Um, yeah, I probably would, you know, sort of use three in there, but, you know, that'll need me to change the system. Whether Rafa will go with that, who knows? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. My personal viewpoint, though, is yes. You know, so I think Fabian Delph, you know, sort of should be in there, absolutely. Yeah. Do you agree, Gav, that Delph makes the most sense? I mean, I suppose Andre Gomez now becomes an option, but uh, as we've already discussed, you know, with him coming back from injury, yeah. is it wise to throw him straight in? You know, no, Delph and like no. seem to be the seem to be the two options essentially, don't they? And we we know one is preferred more than the yeah, other. I was going to say, I don't think Abamin's got a. <laughs> yeah, then I've got more chance of getting this. We forget about him totally now, don't we? Yeah. Just even... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, just one thing. I, I wasn't on the pod yesterday, but to, to be fair, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, <laughs> I get what Benitez was trying to do on Wednesday by playing four across the middle to block off their fullbacks. Yeah. I think people say, "Oh, we should have had three, but they in the park." We say, "I also understand," but if you did that. That gives them space so much space out wide for their, their two fullbacks to push into. Uh, and I can I just imagine Coleman against Robertson and Mane on his own, you know. So I don't think it's as easy as saying, Oh, yeah, it would have been best if there was they in the middle. It would have just pushed the, the problem elsewhere out wide. Um sorry, sorry, that was just a point that trying to make. Um <laughs> but but that, that I, I don't he's being criticized for it, but he says, but let's see what he was trying to do. It was a high risk, but and it didn't pay off. Um, as for Saturday on Monday, I think Arsenal they, they, they play four more more four in the middle themselves these days. Um, mm. They might match up there and play play four again. Um, yeah, and, and it does make make sense in that if you play in that way. I think Delph's got to come back in, hasn't he? I think I think Alan could do with it a, a tactical tactical rest. <laughs> um, he looked uh, he looked shot didn't he just looking now yeah they played El Nenny and Party in the middle last night Odegaard was like slightly further forward yeah. there, so you know, yeah. we could argue it was two in the middle yeah yeah. so I'll just be I'd be you know not too unhappy to see Delphin and Alan Bench to be fair uh, I think Decore probably needs the game time quite handy isn't it we've got five days for Decore between the uh, two games he's not playing on on Saturday, yeah, uh, but when it is match, so that's handy. Um, slightly more helpfully as well as ruin it. We have the twenty-four hours less to prepare for the derby after Brentford. We've now got twenty-four hours longer to prepare for this game. Yeah, yeah. In at Old Trafford last night, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah, so uh, it's basically what I'm saying is four-four-one-one. Maybe just match maybe Arsenal up with. Uh, we haven't come to the site here, have we? Be long I was going to say, who's the one? Good to <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. Yeah, the core A and Delph in the middle. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll go straight on to that discussion then. Preno, obviously, you know, Salomon Rondon still being assessed, as Rafa Benitez said, but it seems yeah. extremely unlikely that he's going to be available for this weekend's game. So he drops out of the side. Who do you play up front? Who, who comes in for Rondon? Do you, do you bring in somebody like Sims to be a like for like replacement? Do you bring in Gordon to, you know, <laughs> fill a gap on the wings and then put Gray in the middle? It's. It's not exactly an ideal situation, really, is it? Uh, it isn't. We have we have won games in the recent past with uh, Gilby Sigurdsson and Alex Iwobi as like false nines. Uh, but I'm not for a second suggesting that you know, so it should be that. Um, Cheng Tosin for me. I mean, is is the closest we're going to get to a like for like replacements. Um, Salomon Rondon looked much better on Wednesday. You know, it was more his type of game. He was physically much more imposing. He held the ball up well. 
again, never looked like getting a shot on target or a shot at goal, which is a concern for a striker. But generally, his performance was, you know, was better. Uh, Cheng Tosin, we don't know, do we? Because we just haven't seen him for so long. But, you know, prior to his long layoff, he was a, a centre-forward that thrived on balls from out wide, which was obviously Rafa's modus operandum at the start of the season. Uh, Damari Gray, you know, so is back and available again and look, looks bright and capable of getting those balls in. Andros Townsend's been off the pace a little bit the last game or two. Uh, but, you know, you know when he's you know on form, he can do that as well. So Tosin is the kind of player that can thrive on that kind of service. It's whether he's fit and sharp enough to do that. And the reason I say that is he's got the experience of, you know, so Premier League football. He scored goals in the Premier League. He's an international striker, let's face it. Ellis Sims is a young boy who's not played any senior football at all. And he's just come back after a very long layoff himself. Um, you know, so he's got exactly the same problems that Tosin has in terms of match sharpness and stuff. What Ellis Sims will have in his favour is that element of unpredictability. You know, so Arsenal won't know a great deal about him. They won't know quite you know, so what kind of player they're going to be facing there should he be selected. But it just worries me playing a, a young lad right from the start in a game like that. The time to you know bring him in is like you know so Rafa was doing with Lewis Dobbin you know so a few weeks ago it's bring him on for the last ten or fifteen minutes of matches and try and give him a taste of it that way. And fingers crossed, you know, so things are going well enough on Monday to be able to do that maybe. Uh, but I think it's too much of a risk playing him from the start, which is why I would say Chang Tosin would be the, uh, the the more logical you know choice. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I suppose the argument would, would be, and I'll bring this to you, Gav, that Ellis Sims is the player who's just signed a new contract with the club. Cenk Tosin's the player who's only got six months left on his contract, yeah. and he's you know, he's had multiple chances over the course of the last few years. I think the club have actively been trying to get rid of him, essentially, for the last couple of years, and he keeps getting long-term injuries, which means that he's... Yeah. still at the club at the minute. Why would you give Cenk Tosin another, another chance rather than give Ellis Sims a chance? You know, he does have this sense of unpredictability and, you know, it's always a risk playing these young players, for example, but he's meant to be the future of Everton, isn't he? So why not use him now? Um, because we're on an eight-game run without a victory. <laughs> That's his mountain on Benitez and he's looking for results on Monday night. And the best way... Probably think about getting a result. But does Cenk Tosin guarantee a result? Well, no, exactly. I mean, I suppose nobody exactly. guarantees a yeah. result. But this, this is this is the sort of fallacy territory we get into, isn't it? Really, that you know, we assume that that's going to experienced players will turn up and young players will freeze when you just don't know. I mean, you, you, mm. we could do it. I mean, we, this comes up that often. We could just do with a standalone pod, couldn't we? On bringing yeah. young players in and the problems of it, you know, because it's, it's just a repetitive, you know, uh, theme, isn't it, over the last few weeks? But I, 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 and even Benitez has said that. What did he say a couple of weeks ago that people think players, if they're young, I can't remember, it's not important whether they're young. He said, they like, young, young players doesn't mean they're good players good or players, something. Yeah, yeah. Lines, yeah. I, I suspect that the fact that he's left a couple on the bench for a few weeks now without playing probably thinks they're not good enough to get in at this stage. 
I must admit, though, having said that, given some of the comments from supporters behind the press box on Wednesday night when Tosin was on the pitch, <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> I think not sure whether that will be a popular selection that will be uh, met with paroxysms of joy at uh, Goodison on Monday, uh, Monday night, to be honest with you. Um, but what Benitez does, isn't it, really? I mean, the only option is to play, again, not ideal, is Richarlison up top and play grey behind him or something like mm-hmm. that. Or a that's a possibility, yeah. But, that's, you know, a, that's, that's a possibility. We've spoken before, I don't like him as a centre-forward. He's much yeah. more effective, you know, playing off as centre-forward, yeah. I think. But, you know, sometimes needs must. So. It, it, it's so typical, isn't it, really, of this season that Rondon puts in a couple of good performances, not good performances, improved performances at Brentford on Wednesday and then injures himself or gets injured, you know. So yeah. just, just typical that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but can't say youngsters are the reason just said. Maybe not Tosin, maybe not Richarlison, you know, maybe Richarlison alternative. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Prano, we've we'll have to move on to Monday night, and you know, we we all saw the scenes at the full time whistle on Wednesday. What are you expecting the atmosphere to be like on Monday? I suppose it depends on uh, how the how the match goes. Um, I, mean, I, I thought Phil did, did very well to get a positive statement of intent from Farhad Mashiri uh, to indicate that he was going to attend the game on Monday which has been a bit baffling for me this season. You know, I think he's been to one game at Goodison. Uh, and even then, you know, he, he arrived quite late. Uh, I think it was the Watford match. Um, obviously, he watches all the games, but, you know, you can't really gauge what's happening, you know, so amongst, you know, so the supporters and, you know, the mood of the football club, unless you're physically there. And he's he's been absent, you know, so all season. So he'll have been, indi- you know, he'll have been told uh, by people, but there's nothing like actually physically being there. And so, you know, he's effectively been, you know, using the, uh, the other board members as a shield, you know, so to deflect him, because he's the owner, he makes the decisions, he makes, you know, so the, the, the big appointments. Rafael Benitez is Everton manager because he wanted him. Um, you know, so I think he should be there. And, you know, I'm pleased to hear that he is, you know, so going to be present. Um, what kind of reception he will receive depends entirely on how the match goes. You know, so if we start well, if we can uh, get about Arsenal and get ahead of steam up and, you know, please, please take the lead. You know, so fingers crossed, you know, so th- things will be, well, I won't say cordial, but, you know, so relatively crisis-free or drama-free. Um, but if Arsenal, you know, do what they did last night at Old Trafford and take the lead, you know, who knows? You know, it, it could be it could be grim. And I've written about it today. You know, it concerns me, you know, that when you, you've got a fan base that are so disillusioned, that, you know, so they are, they are negative, you know, so all the time. And I get why they're negative and I get, you know, so why, you know, they're waiting to be inspired by what they're seeing on the pitch, you know, before they, you know, so start getting behind the team. But it can be a very, very difficult situation, you know, so for the players out there. And I thought there was no lack of effort on Wednesday night. Um, I thought, you know, so the players showed a good level of commitment Okay, quality. You know, there's chalk and cheese compared to the quality Liverpool had compared to the quality we had. Uh, but they're going to have to be strong again. Hopefully, the fans will be behind them and get behind them, and we can be, you know, a unified force on their Monday night. Because let's face it, Arsenal have wilted in the past at Goodison in the face of like a unified force. Uh, we got the you know the nil nil draw under Duncan. Uh, there was that that great rousing two one win when we went a goal down. In the uh, the Kumaneda five years ago, was it when Ashley Williams scored that? You know, so that late goal we won there. Okay, it was in lockdown, wasn't it? You know, so last season. So you know, so Arsenal's away record isn't great, and they have showed 
in the past uh, a potential to be shrinking violets, if you like, you know, so in, in the force of a full Goodison or a begging Goodison. And I hope we get that because if the mood is negative and the mood is, you know, sort of confrontational against Everton, it's only Arsenal that will, uh, that will benefit. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it, Gav? I mean, I think Preno's right in what he's saying, and I don't think there's any doubt that the Everton fans will support the players once they once they take to the pitch because nobody wants to see Everton lose a match, of course. But you know, there there is just this impending sense for me that you know it's it, it, the mood in general wasn't exactly directed at the players, was it? On on Wednesday night, it was directed at the wider, you know, the coaching staff, the board, the the, yeah. the entire club, really. So. How much of that is going to change from Wednesday night to Monday to Monday? Night? Uh, not a lot. Uh, I thought. I mean, I'm more worried before the game, not after. When if I had say when he emerges from the uh, emerges into the director's area, just thinking what well, just a hope for Bramley Moore. One of the lessons there for the club is don't stick the press box right behind the the director's box. Not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily a wise move, you know. Um, well, no, seriously. I think before the game was the problem with me. <laughs> not helped by, you know, as we wrote it yesterday in the very fair piece about his, what was he doing talking to talk sport? You know, yeah. are you going to get the fan base on side mm. by that? You know, um, if you'd come out through official channels, a bit of a rallying call, you know, I'll be there Monday, make sure we get behind the team and all, all that, um, you know, type of stuff. Through the club, I'm you know I'm supporting the manager. Should you know, slightly different, isn't it? It's a much better way of saying things uh, in terms of getting people behind behind yourself and the club. Applying to a text from you know to, to what um, so yeah. no, it's just it's not necessarily yeah. the, the best way of doing that. Um, to, to Jim White, sorry, yeah, and. Um, yeah, I don't think that helped. That's helped him in terms of Monday at all. He uh, could have done it far more effectively through official channels with the right message. Um, so I'm more worried mm-hmm. before the game. I don't know after. I think he may get he may get you know some selective comments and you know hope the mics are turned off in the uh, you know in the, in the radio uh, radio part of the uh, press area. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up this. Uh... Yes, yeah, sorry. Supporters no, are quite entirely to do that as well, by the way. I think it's a voice of opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap up our shorter little preview pod today with our usual predictions. Preno, I'll come to you first. Everton v Arsenal, Goodison Park, Monday night. What scores are going to be? I'm going to be bullish and go for. Um... A clean sheet. Uh, ever, ever since we went 1-0 with one of those big, you know, sort of, yeah. you know, sort of loud, noisy nights under the lights. He said once again with his fingers and toes firmly crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, are you uh, I've, similarly I've, optimistic? I've given up. I've been optimistic over the last three weeks. And of course, <laughs> um, to say it's not worked out well would be an understatement really, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think I had a draw in the derby, one 0 win at Brentford and a draw at City. You know, so uh I keep God's sake, keep away from me. Um I, I I'd settle for a draw on uh this is another perennial pod favourite. A draw or a win, isn't it? Is a draw a decent result. I'll go for a draw. I'd I'd, I'd settle I'd settle for a draw on 
you know, a Tottenham like uh, Tottenham like draw on on Monday. I think that might appease a few people. Mm. Yeah, nil nil. Mm. <laughs> all that. Personally, uh, personally, I've got I've got no confidence in Everton keeping a clean sheet at the minute. Uh, no, I think I'm still going to go for a draw, but I think I think two two. I think we'll pull a couple of goals out of somewhere, and it might be a, an exciting little game down at Goodison Park, but. That's all we've got time for today. Me and Phil Kirkbride will be at Goodison on Monday and we'll be back recording our next Royal Blue podcast probably on Tuesday next week. And hopefully we'll have much more of an upbeat mood after what will hopefully be a much more upbeat performance from the Blues on Monday evening. But you've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.